something is better than nothing where it can get you some accumulation inside of there. As you get within, you know, retirement age, that's where you look at, you have to have something accumulated. And then we have to look at what does it look like when we turn that income on? All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Wealthy American Podcast. Today, we're going to kind of talk about a tale of two financial circumstances. Some recent conversations that we've had, all names are going to be changed to make sure that we protect those conversations, everything else, and some kind of common setups, common pitfalls that we see, as well as folks that have done it the right way and have really set themselves up for success and some of the commonalities that we see over there. Jim, how are you today? I am doing fantastic. Happy to be here with everybody and looking forward to the, the case study episode that we're doing here, which is uh, awesome. Who doesn't love a good story about what we're what we're talking about here? Well, it's going to be great. I'll, I'll jump right in. So I had kind of a heartbreaking <laughs> one recently. Poor guy. I mean, he, um, you know, he he'd come in. He was using our. We have kind of a retirement planning modeler that we use. If you guys want that, um, feel free to reach out to us. Comment below. Tag us. We'll make sure we, you guys get that. But he had reached out and, and was having a conversation with him last week, and he's like, "Hey, I'm 62." I don't have much saved up. Uh, what do I do? I was like, well, walk me through what, you know, kind of what led up to this point. Walk me through your circumstance and great guy, right? He's like, hey, you know, a couple years ago, I was doing really well. I was a business owner. I owned a body shop. That body shop was doing so well. I opened up another location. My shops combined were doing so well that I decided to get a mortgage and buy the land in the building that I was in. And that's what he did. And so he was rocking and rolling, but he had quite a bit of debt built up. I was like, all right, well, during that time, did you end up setting aside anything for you? And this is a common thing. And I did it in my first company as well, which is you look at the business, the business points so much, you get so much of your focus, energy, effort into it. You do what? You just keep reinvesting. Paying yourself a little bit, but reinvesting and reinvesting and reinvesting. And I would say if you don't have a business, all of the local smaller shops that you see, especially brick and mortar, I would venture a guess, and there's no stats behind this because nobody would disclose it, but I would venture a guess probably 65 to 70% of business owners that are within their first 15 years of business are doing this. They're constantly pouring just back into the business, the next thing, going after it bigger, more, so on and so forth. And I've done it too, right? And this guy was no exception. Yeah. Guilty. Guilty. I bet I tend to bet I tend to bet on me. I get it. You know, when it works out, it works out great. And those are the stories that you see. But like, why are those such standout stories? It's because they're unique ones. Like the software engineer lived on his couch or Elon Musk who lived under his desk basically while they were building PayPal and then they sold it and then billions. But like the reason why that's such a newsworthy story is because it is the exception, not the rule. And so hadn't looked at taking that out and setting aside anything. You know, he had bought a house and stuff like that, but it was just his I said, you know, what did you set aside? I said, nothing. I had a few thousand dollars in a SEP IRA. I went, oh, okay. Walk me through what happened. He goes, well, I was counting on selling the businesses. I'd worked really hard to build them up. I had the land. I knew that was worth something. He goes, and as I was getting ready to sell them, the market tanked. Everything went. Everything went down. Nobody was looking at it. People stopped kind of coming in and then COVID hit. And he didn't, because he didn't have the business and because he had the debt service on everything else that he had, he lost both those shops and he was still on the hook for the mortgages, everything else. He didn't have any revenue coming in. He unfortunately had to declare bankruptcy. 
And so I was on the call with this, this gentleman, uh, just my heart pouring out to him, trying to figure out what we could do to help him and put him in a better position. And there wasn't much at that stage. And so the key to a lot of this stuff is it's really interesting. The right stuff early on almost feels like you're not doing anything. The wrong stuff on an extended enough time horizon creates such a pain in most people's lives that you go, how can anybody get this right? And the difference between these two things and a lot of times setting up your financial success, right? By the way, this is not financial advice. These are just stories and and conversations that we've had and things that we commonly see. But again, financial advice requires talking with somebody that'll understand your unique situation so they can figure out your preferences, what you currently have going on, model it out, and then be able to make a recommendation based on what's right for you and your situation. But and so looking at this, like, what is this bifurcation? What is this split in the road? What is this thing where we can look at it and go, all right, cool. You know, you, you hear the the story. I think it's like, it's a crazy low amount. Like if you put in $200 a year when you're like 16 up to 20 or 22, then it's worth more if you put in thousands and thousands of dollars every year from 28 to 35, even though it's the same amount of time span. It's because when you do the right things early on, you're benefiting from a compound effect. When you hold off on doing those things and then you try to catch up later, that's where it feels harder. And the longer you wait, the more pain comes for everybody. And this poor gentleman was in a lot of pain. We're able to give him some advice and you know, kind of stay in contact and gave him my contact info if he needs to reach out at all. But this guy was struggling a little bit. Now you contrast that. Jim, you had mentioned a conversation you had recently had was kind of on the other end of the spectrum. Let's hit them with some happier, happier stories here. Well, well, it's all, this is only going to be happy for everyone, Will, because there is a solution to this. But I think this is more, uh, this is a really common, you know, scenario here. And so hopefully everyone gets a ton of value from it. I got a ton of value going through the process. And so I'll introduce everybody to Stanley and Betty. Okay. So Stanley, awesome guy, 62 years old. Betty is 60 years old. Um, they make a really incredible income. They make $300,000 a year. They um, are two years away from retirement. So they're like, hey, Jim, I'm not really sure there's a whole lot to do here. I think I'm good, but let's go ahead and have a look-see. We talked uh, in our last episode a little bit about accumulation and decumulation. Great episode. This prompted these guys to think about this. Long story, very short. $2 million in qualified accounts. Real quick for everybody listening, Jim, when you say qualified accounts, what what is a qualified account? Qualified with the government to be taxed later. That's the way I like to explain it. 401ks, IRAs, 403bs, 457s, all that all that kind of great stuff. So stuff that you, where you have put money away that you have yet to be taxed on the gain, the growth, and the extraction, right? So it's the tax bill is coming. So this is a, an incredible man, super smart, love you know him put the vast majority of his uh, money in his qualified accounts, right? Hey, I'm going to accumulate as much money as I possibly can over the course of time. And he did a great job. He's got over $2 million in this account, 2050000 to be exact. And spent the rest of his free-flowing cash flow doing what everyone thinks is the best thing to do, right? What's he doing? He has no credit card debt. He has no car loan debt. And he has no mortgage debt. But what he has now is $2.8 million in free and clear real estate, a beautiful mountain home, uh, in the high mountains, ski, ski place in Colorado, another place in Denver, free and clear. And he goes, I'm good. A couple of years, but go ahead and tell me, tell me what you think. You know, 
Well, we turned on the income in two years. When you say turned on the income, Jim, I know we use that all the time. Let's explain to the folks listening what that means. So turning on the income would be he's moving from the accumulation phase of his life, right? He's working, he's saving money, he's putting money away in his, in his qualified accounts. He's not taking any money out of anything that he's accumulated. He gets to the point where he, quote, retires. I'm turning off all of my employment income. And then I'm going to start drawing down the money that I've accumulated in my accumulation you know, uh, phase of my life is now over. So I'm not accumulating any more money. Sure, it's in the market and hopefully it's going up and I'll still be able to accumulate yield, but I'm not putting money into it. I'm not contributing. So now I've reached the fruits of my labor. I'm going to start taking money out of those accounts now to live off of. That's deaccumulation. Deaccumulation. That's the goal for a lot of people to retire, right? So we turn that income on from those accounts to provide that cash flow that's replacing employment income. And lo and behold, assuming taxes stayed the same, inflation stayed the same, and he got a positive rate of return that beats the S&P 500 total return forever, never loses any money, which everybody knows that's rarely, hardly possible. And even with the best of outcomes, the best of scenarios, he ran out of money in nine years, nine years. And so he said, well, that's not good. Uh, I guess I do have a problem. And so we worked together to solve his problem. But like for most of you guys listening to this, $300,000 a year earner, working at the same company for 30 years, owns all of his real estate, completely debt-free, has 2 million bucks saved up, turns on the income at retirement and runs out of money in nine years. That's a, that's a shocker for me. So no matter what your financial situation is, you definitely want to have a conversation with somebody about accumulation. And then also, what was the outcome there, Jim? Yeah. Yeah. Let's get in. So the, out, the, 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 the I, I don't want to be a spoiler you know, alert, but the outcome is, is we were able to solve his problem. We were able to look at some different you know, vehicles and switch the focus at that time in his life from the mentality of accumulating money, chasing returns, things like that to get this nest egg to be as big as it possibly can. So in theory, that account is big enough to be able to draw down enough to make it last, right? And so what we did is we just, we, we, we looked at what options were available in that strategy. And then we put together a comprehensive decumulation strategy and we solved the problem. Um, so we don't obviously have time to go into how we did it, but we were able to successfully do it. And so I would encourage everyone to make sure that you're thinking about your life and where you're at in life with regards to accumulating money. And then also, hey, when I get to retirement, what does that look like? What, what now? Well, it's a totally different process and it's a totally different advisor most of the time to go spend that money down to make it last with inflation, taxation, and market risk. Those are all you know important factors to, uh, to run that scenario out. So anyway, I just thought it was, it was a great case study to show everybody because I was thinking to myself, Will, oh man, this guy's fantastic. He's good. He's got it. No big deal. And then you put it into, uh, into, into our program and our planning you know, module and uh, I was just as blown away as he was, right? And I wasn't sure I could even solve the problem. I was like, oh man, I, you, you only got nine years. How in the world am I going to get you another 20, right? Assuming you could have a 30-year retirement. So not an easy thing to fix, but we fixed it and, and we did it. Well, I think there's a couple of cool things that you said besides one, they now know when they can retire and they don't run out of money in retirement, which is pretty much what everybody wants. Uh, but two, if we look again at these two stories, right? The first guy who's who's in a, and still is in a tough spot, 
And the second guy who he was going to run out of money, but looked at it and then he was able to solve it, right? And we were able to work with him and solve it and all that stuff. What's the difference between these two gentlemen? If the second guy that Jim had mentioned with multiple houses paid off and everything else, if he hadn't accumulated some of that money, then there's nothing you can do to switch the way that it comes out in retirement. And so there's two main takeaways, I think, here from these stories. One is... Well, there's two things you can give. Two things, Will. You can give him a hug and a handshake. Exactly. That's about it. In terms of this, I think there's two things to really look at for those of you guys listening to go, hey, how does this apply to me? What can I take away from this? And here's the two takeaways that I would look at and I would consider that I apply to my life, right? And then first one is you have to be putting something away in an account that is going to build for long-term building your wealth, right? Whatever that is, right? We have our opinions as to what we like better and others just because we see them perform and all that stuff, but like do something. Something is better than nothing where it can get you some accumulation inside of there. As you get within, you know, kind of retirement age, that's where you look at, you have to have something accumulated. And then we have to look at what does it look like when we turn that income on? Meaning when the money stops coming in from where you're working or whatever the difference is between social security or any pensions and the desired lifestyle that you want to live, $100,000 a year, $150,000, 10000 whatever it is. What's the difference? How do we pull that money through? And what's the best vehicles in order to do that? And that's the whole game here, guys. That is what we're looking at. In terms of wealth, that's what creates a wealthy American. You have to accumulate something and set aside something. And if it hurts a little bit to do that when you're going through it, I'd still recommend doing it, right? A little bit of sacrifice, probably good for everybody, right? And it may not. You might, like, this guy was making 300 grand a year. If he put away 100,000 a year and he lived off 200,000, is he sacrificing that much? I would argue probably not. And you'll probably be sitting pretty good, but you might not be in that situation still if you're putting away something. And then as you get closer to retirement, you're looking at accumulation. You're then analyzing that and going, how do all the numbers play out? Talk with somebody that has experience around this because there's a lot of nuances. We'll tell you with every single type of account, you know, social security, windfall provisions, like there, there's just so much to it, right? You really have to talk to somebody who this is their specialization because it's a truly specialized knowledge here. But if you do that, you should be sitting pretty good and better positioned than most. Jim, closing thoughts here? Closing thoughts is the answers to the four most important questions apply to everyone in the accumulation phase of their life as early on in life as you can get it. Get the answers to the four most important questions. And even more so, it applies, maybe not more so, but equally to in the de-accumulation phase of your life, getting the answers to the four most important questions, right? So if you don't know what the questions are, you know, we've covered them, but how much, uh, what is the rate of return that you need to earn on your savings and investment dollars? How much you need to be saving? When can you retire so you don't run out of money? And the fourth one is how much would you potentially have to reduce your lifestyle, right? If you haven't planned or saved enough, right? So getting the answers to the four most important questions early on in life is really, really pivotal, especially if you're in the accumulation phase. And it just equally is important if you're in the de-accumulation phase of your life. Awesome. Well, now it's just power. Thank you for joining us. The Wealthy American Podcast. Hit the like, subscribe, notification, that bell, all that good stuff. If you're one of our audio only listeners, please give us a five-star review that helps other people to see it. And we'll see you on the next one.